So let's have a nice big hand now for Stan. Stan Kruger. I have the, um, the dubious distinction of uh, having been the last network radio comedian in America. Big deal. Right? <laughs> when my CBS uh, show went off in uh, 1957, you can see what tremendous good those write-ups did me, right? <laughs> I carried a lot of weight upstairs at CBS radio. <laughs> Anyhow, but I managed to uh, stay on for about 17 weeks there. And when that show ended, why, they disbanded the staff orchestra. They had an, actually had a staff band at CBS until then. They kept holding out, you know, hoping that radio would give them something to do. But that was the last, literally, the last network comedy show that emanated from coast to coast. Had been nothing coming out of New York for a long time. I think uh, Meet Millie and the, uh, I guess it was the Bing Crosby radio show. Was, he had a daily show or something. They bit the dust, and then there was just me, and that was it. I thought that was the end. Little did I know the end would really occur one day in Reseda. <laughs> Certainly the, the lower end of some sort of broadcasting spectrum appearing in front of a Spurdvac <laughs> group in a, an abandoned receded church. <laughs> Stan Freeberg was born on August 7, 1926 in Pasadena, California. Shortly after graduating from high school, he found work as a voice actor in both radio and animation. I've always been fascinated by uh, sound patterns. I was born, I guess, what, 15 years too late or something to really have functioned in radio the way I wanted to when I was 14 years old. My uncle uh, worked at CBS as a guard in the master control that was back in the, that was three wars ago, right, counting the Korean War. World War II, we called it then. They were afraid the Japs were going to come and bomb the, uh, you know, take over the, not bomb, but take over the communications right away. So he, he hid in there all night long, you know, with a 38 trembling. And uh, <laughs> in the master control, he used to bring me home uh, scripts from the wastebaskets of all the studios, which is when I used to go out in the garage, hold my ear, and uh, practice voices and imitations of all the, my, you know, idols in radio. So by the time I got to actually working around radio, I was about 17. I had, I had about three years rehearsing in the garage. If I had been in radio in the... 40s, uh, I think I probably would have used sound effects and sound patterns more than anybody that I can recall. The only uh, man that I can recall really utilizing sound to his greatest advantage was Arch Obler on a show called Lights Out. That was just an incredible thing. I remember the, uh, the chicken heart. Did you ever hear that? Yeah. Right, yeah. Boy, great. In 1957, now 31, he was given his own 30-minute comedy program on CBS, Sundays at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time from Hollywood. It debuted on July 14, 1957. The cast featured Peter Leeds, June Foray, Dawes Butler, Marvin Miller, with vocalist Peggy Taylor, Billy Mays Orchestra, and the Judd Conlon Rhythm Ayers. 
His comedic style was biting. He was a shrewd satirist who targeted mediocrity, complacency, and stuffed shirts. He specialized in lampooning American life. On his first show, he ripped American capitalism with a long skit about two competing Las Vegas nightclubs, the El Sodom and Rancho Gamora, set in the near future. They really didn't understand that too much upstairs there, CBS. The first show uh, that I did was probably the most bitingly satiric one, and it, it was a satire on Las Vegas, and it was called Incident at Los Verosis. It took about 18 minutes of the first 30. The CBS higher-ups didn't get it. So they booked the next best thing. They booked The only thing they could think of at the top of the other hotel was they booked the hydrogen bomb for one night only. And, uh, and that was the end of the, uh, the city. And the people at CBS were really appalled that I would do that. They said the, booking the Gaza Strip in is anti-Semitic, first of all. And they said, would you change the Gaza Strip? Disguise it. Use a fictitious strip. said to me. A well-known Mideastern strip of land, you know. They wanted me to uh, change the, um, well, they wouldn't let it on the air unless they took out the hydrogen bomb, so I, they made me put an earthquake in. Right. When, after the show went off, I had the original, I had to come back and redo the whole show, have a new audience come in, redo the whole thing. It was like 48 hours before it went on. When I went to put the Capitol album out, I simply went back and took the original tapes and cut the those parts back in and it worked fine and nobody I never got a single postcard from anybody saying hey what do you that's an anti-semitic thing you did or what do you mean the hydrogen bomb they're really weird at networks they somehow they think uh, by mentioning the hydrogen bomb everybody's going to get upset and by not mentioning it they will go away perhaps okay to mention it in the news by the way but not in the entertainment portions of the program I could write a long book about network and record company too censorship so he destroyed Lawrence Welk in a skit that became known as Wonderful, Wonderful. Billy May's orchestra played a Welkian arrangement of Bubbles in the Wine, while Freeberg, doing a credible Welk imitation, kept yelling, Turn off that bubble machine! until he was drowned in the foam. Freeberg interviewed the abominable snowman, presented a group of musical sheep, and staged a Western skit, Bang Gunley, U.S. Marshall Fields, spoofing the overdone sound effects of many classic films. He attacked censorship, with Freeberg attempting to sing Kern and Hammerstein's Old Man River, only to be stopped by a Citizens Committee censor, who sounded a buzzer at any line he found objectionable, leading to rewriting the lyrics as Elderly Man River. In August, Sponsor Magazine reported that CBS thought the network radio could see a return to sponsors buying full programs that fall. CBS was pitching the Stan Freeberg show for $10,000 per week. However, by October, it was obvious that network comedy couldn't return to its previous highs, and the Stan Freeberg show was canceled after the October 20th episode. This is the 15th show of the series of the Countdown Radio Series. From Hollywood, we present the Stan Freeberg Show. With the music of Billy May. Plus the songs of Peggy Taylor with Josh Butler, June Parade, Peter Leeds, and Dud Conlon with the Bears. You may well find us on your TV, because in case you did not know, we're bidding fond farewell to, fond farewell to, fond farewell to. 
evening. Well, welcome to the 15th and last in this series of Sunday evening radio shows. In answer to your many requests, and by the way, we are really deeply grateful, all of us, for the enormous response, we're going to recreate for you tonight some of the things you told us that you enjoyed the most. Well, I'm certainly going to miss our little Sunday evening romp together. The thing that made it fun was never knowing quite what was going to happen, you know. I'm going to miss talking to those real-life, believable people, for example, who used to come knocking at our portals. Ah, a guest bids entrance. Mr. Freeberg? <laughs> yes? I'd like to discuss a problem with you. Yes, indeed, a problem with you! <laughs> Well, if you just come down off the wall, we'll talk about it. I'm having trouble with my car. I can't get through on Sunset Boulevard. Well, what seems to be the trouble? The road is being blocked by sheep. Yes, indeed, being blocked by sheep. <laughs> well, that must be... I mean, that must be uh, Monsieur uh, Toulet and his tuned sheep. I don't care what they are. I've got to get to work. Get the team back to work! <laughs> what kind of work do you do? Brain surgery! <laughs> if I ever need any brain surgery, why, I'll be sure and get in touch with that uh, uh, gentleman. Pardon me, Mr. Freeberg. Uh, my name is Tweedley. Well, we all have our problems. <laughs> I am the censor from the Citizens Radio Committee, and I must okay all the material used on your program here. So I'll just sit back here and interrupt whenever I feel it necessary. You mean you plan to stop me every time I do something that you think is wrong? Exactly. I'll just sound my little horn like this. And that's a darling little horn there. <laughs> And then you stop, and I'll tell you what's wrong. Somehow I can tell it's going to be one of those days. You just go right ahead, Mr. Freeberg. Don't mind me. Yeah. And now I would like to sing... You forgot to say thank you, Mr. Freeberg. Well, thank you, Mr. Freeberg. Uh, Mr. Tweedy. You're welcome, I am sure. Yes. I'd like to sing an old river song in honor this week of National Treat to Beat Your Feet on the Mississippi Mud Week. <laughs> Mr. May, if you please. That was very polite, Mr. Freeberg. Old Man River, that... All right, Tweedley, politeness I dig, but what in the world is wrong with Old Man River? Well, the word old has a connotation some of the more elderly people find distasteful. <laughs> I would suggest you make the substitution, please. I suppose you insist? Precisely. You may continue. All right, music. You forgot Got to, to say, say thank, thank you. you. Yes. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Elderly man, river, that elderly man, river. He must know something, but he don't say nothing. Grammar, grammar. <laughs> Yes, all right, Billy. Music. Thank you, thank you. You're welcome, I'm sure. I somehow uh, ran into a uh, series of uh, motion picture actors that I was using in radio commercials, and uh, I discovered that they really knew very little about this type of microphone, how to use this kind of mic, 
because they had not been in radio years before. I just sort of assumed that, uh, you know, wrongly assumed that most actors, even if they're motion picture actors, somehow it works in another medium like radio. Wrong. This guy Charles Lane is a you know, crabby old guy. He was the previous guy that I'd had. And, uh, you know, the man would uh, <clears throat> he'd mumble down the thing like this, you know, and he'd say, I have to tell you, I'm going to tell you. Charlie, you got to stay in the mic here. He says, oh, can't they follow me? You know. And he's used to these big, uh, those big ball mics on the booms, you know, that reel out and follow you wherever you go, man. So I had to explain, no, no, you got this thing like this, you got to stay right here. This is a dead side here, right? So the guy, he, he finally, you know, we almost handcuffed him to the mic. And uh, we made the commercial, okay. Uh, about two weeks later, Everett Sloan, the late Everett Sloan came in, and I thought, I had just seen him as Citizen Kane. I had no idea the man had been a radio actor years before, but I didn't know this, right? So I think, oh, geez, another motion picture actor. I said, okay, uh, look, Everett, this is a radio mic. It's a little different than uh, using uh, motion pictures. He said, mm-hmm. I said, this is what we call it. It's a 44, it's an RCA 44B mic. Now, this is dead over here. He says, is that right? I said, that's right, yeah. And this is a dead side here, dead side. He said, don't, so don't go talking like this, and don't walk away like this. He said, I'll try and remember that, yes. Because we can't follow you around. He said, no, I know that. I said, okay, well, just checking, okay. And I said, look, here, you kind of stay in like this, see, right in this area right here. And if you hit a P, you've got to go pop like that to the side right now. He was very, very gracious. So the guy did this magnificent job, you know, working this mic when it got loud, he backed up. And I thought, boy, this guy's a natural, you know. So I came out, I said, boy, you're a natural. You're a radio natural. That's terrific, Everett. You know, you'd think you would have done this before. And this very sweet, gracious man said to me, well, actually, uh, Stan, um, I have done this uh, before. I said, really, you have worked in radio? Yes, I have, yes. I said, what uh, radio programs did you do, Everett? And he said to me, well, uh, I was with Orson. I said, Orson, uh, well, uh, well, that's right, yes. I said, you mean with the Mercuries is the Mercury players, that's right. I said, you mean you did uh, the War of the Worlds and, and all those following? Mm -hmm. said, yes, I... Joe Cotton and uh, Agnes Moorhead and uh, myself. Uh, I was with them. I said, you did quite a few of those uh, with Orson, did you? He said, all of them. <laughs> I said, oh, well, that, well, that would explain probably uh, your... Uh, what have you uh, picked to sing for us tonight? Well, I'd like to sing The Birth of the Blues. Well, we'd love to listen to you. different tune, one that they could croon as only they can. They heard the breeze in the trees singing weird melodies, and they made that as a start of the Downhearted, frail, and they made that 
wonderful. Thank you, Peggy. That was lovely. Well, uh, you seem to enjoy our version recently of that typical soundtrack that has come galloping out of your TV sets this fall. So here, then, is our Western hero, Bang Gunley. Uh, that is just the soundtrack. No peeking at the picture now. <laughs> Corporation of America presents Bang Gunley, U.S. Marshal Field. through that fence, all right. Yep. <laughs> Somebody sure cut through that fence, all right. Back to our action-packed story in just a moment, folks. <laughs> but first, a word from the newest member of the Eating Corporation of America's breakfast family, Puffed Grass. Puffed grass, eat puffed grass, chock full of vitamins and chlorophyll too, good for Flossie. 